a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you're going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living. That's exactly what makes them extra to me, and I'm excited for you to meet them. All right, now, full disclosure, I had a whole introduction for today's guest written two years ago. Okay, long before he not only agreed to be on the podcast, but before we had even met. It was circa kind of late 2020, could have been early 2021, I can't remember, it's kind of a fog, emerging out of COVID, okay, when churches were just starting to open back up, uh, but not requiring, here in the Catholic Church, not requiring their weekly obligation in person, and I was attending mass, um, socially distanced and the rest of it, while the rest of my family was viewing online. And as we all remember, this went on for a while. Um, so anyway, uh, every masked up Sunday, I would, uh, I would say hi to, to today's guest, uh, who was a consistent usher, uh, and really not even just an usher, he was really kind of an organizer during that period. I mean, again, as we remember, there were a lot of restrictions in terms of where you could sit and, and, and how we even entered you know, the sanctuary and stuff. And so this guy was just on it. He was so reassuring and so respectful. And so just, I mean, literally everybody that came into church interacted with today's guest. And I was one of these guys. And so anyway, I would uh, come in every Sunday and he would, uh, you know, direct me to where to sit and the whole bit. And I just remember being very grateful uh, for him and for guys like him who were helping people get back to some sense of normalcy and worship. Well, anyway, after the first few weeks of directing me to my solo spot as my daughters and, and wife were home viewing online, which is totally fine, uh, one Sunday morning, our guest uh, uh, very casually just kind of stopped by the pew that I was kneeling at uh, before mass, and he invited me to become an usher, okay, to join this community. Yeah, he rightly thought, because he didn't know me from Adam, he rightly thought I was, you know, some you know, rather interested or devout loner <laughs> who might benefit from just being part of something bigger than my lonely self. And uh, even though he didn't know that I was rich with family and love, just not physically there, but it really, it moved me. I thought it was, it was simple, uh, but I was just struck with like, you know, that's the work of discipleship. That That's the work of the church, building up the kingdom. And, and uh, honestly, I was so moved by it. It had never really been directed toward me in such a beautiful, simple way. So that was the introduction, okay, that I had planned for today's guest two years ago. He's been on the list, get him on mana, um, until uh, a couple of weeks ago. I started doing a little bit of background prep for his interview. He agreed to do it. Uh, and so I was doing a little background prep, which included snooping on his LinkedIn. And then I find out this guy's distinguished track record of leadership across government, corporate, healthcare. I mean, how many of your parishes, ushers, or CEOs, everybody, okay? I mean, talk about like just the most humble, but yet, wow, like, like credentials. And then after meeting him for a little pre-show coffee, I learned even more and became literally awestruck with his, not only his 
geopolitical experiences, but his astonishingly thoughtful worldview on religion, diplomacy, culture. I mean, this is the stuff that you see on like Sunday morning news shows, okay? Not little side hustle podcasts like Mana. So I, I was stressed out. I was really this last week. I'm like, okay, I gotta rewrite the whole intro because, you know, his intellect, his worldview deserved, I thought, a much more sophisticated introduction, you know, something that really matched the, the horsepower that we're all gonna be, you know, introduced to today. But I prayed over it and thought more about it. And, and also, I just don't really know if I have that kind of <laughs> introduction in me. So I decided to stick with the original memory, you know, and share that. Because in the end, uh, I think that's what makes him. Uh, and I think this conversation that we're going to have exactly what man is about. These men in our midst, leaving, uh, li- uh, not leaving, living seemingly ordinary lives, but in rather extraordinary ways. Uh, and it all started for me with just that simple invitation uh, to be an usher, which, by the way, I still am not. <laughs> anyway, let's get uh, let's get a chance to meet today's manna man, Mister Patrick Lacombe. Hey, Patrick. Good morning. Well, it is great to have you on <clears throat> on the big show here, and I, sh- I should uh, set a little bit of a, um, a very appropriate um, setting here. It is Pentecost Sunday. And we are down in the basement of the church, uh, and you're looking very dapper. You're a reader today, uh, and 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 I'm so excited uh, for us to uh, for us all to 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 to, to go to mass. And actually, that's where I kind of wanted to start. You know, the, the memory that I shared a couple years ago during that COVID, you know, emerging out of that, you know, and like I said, you were such a really a, a, a steady presence for all of us coming back. What were your memories of that? And, and the role that you played in helping people come back, literally come back to the church? Well, um, it was, a, was, and to a certain extent remains uh, a, a big problem, I think, for all of us. The COVID um, uh, created a lot of divisions. Um, and I think for me, um, there was a little bit of risk, uh, but the way that we had things organized. There was a group of people behind the scenes who really were kind of setting the guidance and the rules for that. And um, I've had some experience, um, I'll call it uh, crowd management, people management mm-hmm. uh, kinds of things. So it was kind of natural for me to take on that role. I was the person who coordinated ushers anyway, so it sort of brought me in to the picture. Um, but I remember it as a kind of a really difficult period that I don't think we've kind of fully exited yet. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I know the numbers uh, because of I, I'm still an usher and see mass attendance, and I see it's down. You know, still probably something like twenty twenty five percent. And there were probably people who left because they didn't like the restrictions, and there were probably people who haven't come back because um, they still don't feel safe. Um, I have a sense of, you know, a few people in mind that I used to see that I don't see anymore mm-hmm. who would fit that category. So it's a big, it's still a, a challenge and we're still dealing with that. But for me, um, it's kind of a central theme of um, trying to avoid those kinds of differences. Um, things got politicized and, um, and I think that's still having an effect on, on people. And so I just thought, you know, I could be helpful mm-hmm. in, 
in terms of trying to sustain, uh, well, sustain an open mass, a participatory yeah. mass yeah. in that environment. Yeah. Did you feel at all? And this is this could be a little bit of like <clears throat> trying to put whatever they say, gild the lily or something yeah. like that. But like, do you know, during that time, attendance was really low. You're right; it still hasn't come back. But did you feel a sense of um, because week over week you were seeing you know people come in and and gradually you know attendance coming back a little bit more? Did did it feel like? Okay, the 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 even though it's a little more sparse than normal, was there a sense of of sort of the the Holy Spirit and and especially on a day like today in Pentecost Sunday where we're celebrating the birth of the church, did it in a way and in any way feel almost um, more powerful because you did have you know you were helping these people who really wanted to be there, wanted to be in the presence of the Eucharist, or was it not, I mean, because that's really kind of putting a spin yeah. on it, you know, like, oh, this is great, you know, but, but what was, was there, was there a, was there anything positive, I guess, <laughs> about that time? Well, I, I suppose a positive anytime, um, you know, it's almost a cliche, you're kind of strengthened by adversity, mm-hmm. both on a personal level, perhaps, and as a community as well. Yeah. It's kind of a test um, to see. You know where it's probably putting it a bit strongly, but kind of where you stand, um, yeah. and um, if there's an element of risk, what element of risk are you willing to tolerate? Because it's important, I suppose. That's another way you can look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this goes back a long way. I was I was born and raised Catholic as a, uh, a cradle Catholic, I suppose you could say. Grew up in a small town in, in northern Michigan, very small. Um, and the church was a kind of a center of social life as well as religious life. And that has a couple of benefits, in my opinion, uh, in the sense that um, you get a community of what I would call practical Catholics, people whose um, faith is... Um, drawn from a number of different activities. Mm. You know, there's always this kind of issue, does does attitude affect behavior, or does behavior affect attitude? In modern sociological, psychological terms, you know, we would call that, I think it's called cognitive behavioral therapy, mm. where people who are having challenges uh, have, um, you know, are involved in practical expressions of yeah of faith and activities, and that activity affects attitudes. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that there's something to that, and it affects the way people uh, approach even going to Mass when under those kind of circumstances that we found ourselves with, with yeah. COVID. That the act of kind of thinking it through and make it, it it kind of raised the threshold, if you will, of going to Mass and, and seeing other people. Mm-hmm. And of course, we all just need to see other people, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, so. Yeah. So I wanted, I did want to talk about kind of your upbringing. So growing up Catholic was, and you're very, um, <clears throat> you're not a passive parishioner. I mean, you're, you're ushering, you're, you're, you're a lector. You're also just very, <clears throat> just involved in the overall 
just hospitality of this place, you know? And so is that growing up, was that, um, was that kind of the uh, family environment that you were raised in? Was that uh, very much so, you know, both my father and mother, uh, who've since passed, um, they just, just from a, if you just looked at it from a timeshare perspective, Mm -hmm. how much time they devoted to, uh, volunteer activities and, and encouraging my uh, five siblings as well yeah. along those along those paths, and it's one of those often talked about advantages of a small town as well, because um, it it there was a generation of men, uh, you know, I can give you the names, and they reflect the kind of ethnic diversity of a place. Uh, John Micklage, of Frank Prosnick. Uh, uh, Cletus Chartier mm-hmm. uh, and my father. I mean, I go down the long list of people that I know, you know, in memory by face, yeah. who were always there to volunteer because it's not a very wealthy community. Mm-hmm. Um, and to some extent, it, it's come under even harder times of late. Um, but it sustained the parish, St. Rita's, uh, in this small town. And, um, and I was just back a couple of weeks ago and ran into uh, some folks, and we were talking about this, actually, yeah. about the, the guys of that generation yeah. um, who sustained the community. Yeah. So that community issue, or, yeah, I think, is also really important. And um, I don't think a lot about it, you know, because it's kind of second nature, but you mentioned the involvement, and I think... Um, there's, I could also name go down a list of names of, of men and women, uh, in our parish, mm-hmm. who I've gotten to know. Yeah, um, and that's another point I think worth uh, mentioning is that there's almost a kind of self selfish element to it, if I could put it that way, or let's just say, the benefit kind of rebounds uh, back to you as an individual when you're involved in those activities, because you get to meet some great people, mm-hmm. and there are certainly some great people here. Yeah. Um, I place on the church softball team, um, which when I was coordinating the ushers um, was kind of a source of usher volunteer ushers <laughs> in the process, but just a lot of great guys. Yeah. Um, and lecturing, uh, you meet a lot of uh, really good, good people. Yeah. Um, and I think for a lot of folks like myself, it we're not, you know, reflecting that generation of Catholicism, we're not, we're a little comfortable sometimes, I think, with even the notion of evangelization. Yeah. You know, going out into the world and trying to convince somebody uh, to share your faith. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of not the way we've done it. Yeah. Um, it's more, if anything, uh, uh, leading by example, mm-hmm. uh, but also, not even as conscious about it and sort of reaping the benefits. It's it's hard when you're a, a 40, 50, 60 year old male to stay connected. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of contrary pressures in our society. Yeah. Um, a kind of atomization, if you will, that's out there. And to build and sustain friendships is not easy. And um, so um, that's another level, um, I think, that... Uh, Another area, if you will, of benefit yeah. of being engaged in the community. Yeah. Well, in that community, from the very early uh, days for you in the small town, 
and those those fundamentals, those principles, you know, we're gonna scoot ahead here just in your chronology of life yeah. here. And so then you find yourself after college in you know, working for the State Department, traveling all over the world, uh, experiencing things <laughs> that the rest of us were watching on CNN, like literally in the room where things were happening. How did, how did your faith experiences, those, and I, I don't want to oversimplify them, but, you know, those sort of, if you are in a smaller town, these, these community, this community, I mean, there's not, there's not a lot to um, sort of pollute, sort of, like you're getting sort of the direct, <laughs> uh, like a direct line, you know what I mean? And, right. and so now, you know, 20 years later, you're off in all these different parts of the world, meeting all of these different uh, world leaders, you're in these different cultures, different religions. Did your upbringing, did the faith upbringing that you had, could you see a thread of that sort of like maintaining throughout all these experiences? Or, or, or did you feel like that period of your life really was challenging it? You know, like, like did the simplicity of your upbringing, was it a grounding sort of like rod for you? Or was it like, okay, well, there's way more out there to be thinking about and, and, and exercising than maybe how I grew up? Well, there's definitely more out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those things, um, uh, as you mentioned, um, I served with the State Department for 14 years um, as an intelligence officer and as a diplomat and um, was focused mainly on Central and Eastern Europe. Um, uh, I did some other things that were kind of more general, mm-hmm. um, but but primarily focused on those parts of the world. And um, it just so happens that um, you know this one of the contributing sparks to the changes that I was both an observer of and a participant in um, were in part sparked by um, you know the Polish Pope John Paul. Um, I was in grad school. I'm going to date myself. This was still during martial law in mm-hmm. Poland after the initial rise of solidarity. And then the, the Jaroszewski regime uh, put that down and uh, found myself in Krakow, uh, uh, Poland, and um, had received some letters of introduction from individuals. And that put me in contact with folks who were in that time the underground solidarity because it was again martial law and it was an illegal organization Mm. and um, lo and behold uh, because of the changes that occurred later in the late 1980s and early 90s um, the people who um, led the revolution so to speak from below um, became those folks who were running things Um, and that happened to correspond with my time uh, in Warsaw Mm. uh, as a diplomat and um, I did, uh, my job was to do a lot of grassroots political reporting. Uh, the fear in Washington at the time is that the people who led the revolution, the Solidarity Trade Union, would sort of turn against it once the economic consequences of the systemic change happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, that small townness, if you will, and grounding um, actually made it easy for me um, mm-hmm. to talk to people and to understand at the grassroots political level, kind of how things were infecting their lives. And then, of course, that added measure of kind of understanding the Pope, um, 
to the extent I can say that I sort of understood him, but um, uh, it, I think it was an asset. Yeah. And understanding where he was coming from, from a faith perspective, was also instrumental to understanding, um, in a sense, what he was up to, uh, what the opposition in Poland was up to, and what was sort of transpiring in the entire region. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how about, uh, I mean, it, there, we could go all day just talking about it, just like we did when we had coffee. I was just so fascinated. <clears throat> but so then post that experience, vo- your vocational experience there, as now an adult, as I you know, mentioned in, in, in the intro, I mean, you've, you, you, you followed up your amazing stint in the State Department with just a very impressive, you know, career in in business and and government i mean your uh, healthcare you're you're ceo of your own company well now. how <laughs> on that score it's a <laughs> it's a struggling yeah, entity yeah. but um but how does how does how does that you know so now you are uh um uh sort of a product i'll say <laughs> of both the kind of small town upbringing um then this sort of flowering of 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 experiences and and diversity and at a very very global level that most people don't get um and now here you know so it's almost like we'll call it the third chapter here Mm -hmm. you know is your when you think of your faith when you think of you know your, your your relationship with jesus how um do is it more reminiscent of where it began you know back when you were eight years old going to, you know, first communion, you know, no. kind of classes, or has it really been this sort of like, no, it's, it's like a, this is a huge now, you know, thing that's been built over time. You know? Well, it's a little bit of both. Um, it, you never, it never kind of leaves you, so mm-hmm. to speak, um, where you're grounded in, but life and study, um, you know, I spent a good deal of time studying history yeah. um, to prepare myself for the career in, in diplomacy and foreign affairs. And um, that kind of opened my eyes. And, and you begin to sort of make the connections, the, the sort of, I'll call it practical, once again, I'll use that word practical, connections between um, faith and the sort of intellectual pursuits and what you do in everyday life. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it matters. You know, in the, in the Jewish faith, there's this concept of mitzvah, which is, has dual meaning as a kind of commandment, uh, but also as a good deed. And I go back to that issue of kind of cognitive behavioral mm-hmm. therapy of, of, you know, we're engaged in the world, not, not simply intellectually, but we're engaged in the world, trying to find our way, um, trying to understand and trying to have, trying to have meaning in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's always been, uh, I don't know. It's it's always been natural to me, yeah. uh, just on a personal level, to yeah. sort of seek that out. Um, so the pursuit of doing good deeds um, and being involved in the community, I think, is really important. But then also, there, that's maybe on the somewhat on the positive side. I think you know, there's also some things that I'm I'm very conscious of, which are maybe more on the negative side. And it kind of, you know, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about under COVID a little bit in the sense that, um, like the rest of our society, uh, I get a little concerned that the church itself is being riven by uh, polarization. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 
being uh, po politicized. Yeah. And as I reflect on 20th century history, I see that as an enormous risk, both for the church as an institution in the United States uh, and in the world, but, mm -hmm. but also uh, on kind of a personal level. Um, and uh, so that's something I'm, I'm very conscious of. And again, that kind of grounds us in the here and now. Mm -hmm. um, that yes, there's this spiritual and there's this um, intellectual aspect of our world, but there's also this concrete, very practical set of concerns around, um, you know, what's, what's happening in our world today. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, I do think, especially as we talked about, even just something as simple as a measure of just attendance at mass, <clears throat> you know, or as you're very active here in this parish, just uh, active um, uh, discipleship, you know, being lectors or ushers or whatever. If, if we um, sort of relegate, I think the church or uh, deminimize, if that's a verb, the church to the same kind of political polarization that's happening in the world. We'll just, we'll literally divide the church even more, you know, and just yeah. have fewer and fewer people showing up because they'll feel like, well, that's not, you know, whether it's that specific parish or that specific denomination, it'll just continue to fracture, you know, and we'll be sitting here going, all right, now, now how do we get people back? Not just those, you know, people, I'm using right. little air quotes here, but yeah, I, it, it's, it's interesting to go back and look at the encyclicals of the, you know, John Paul was uh, Pope, I think, for about 26 years. Uh, I may have that slightly wrong. But he published 14 encyclicals, which are letters to primarily the church hierarchy, but also to the congregation as well. Mm -hmm. And there's several that really stand out and speak to me. Um, one... Um, that was particularly important during the Solidarity era called Laborum Exercens, uh, if I pronounce that correctly, which was around the dignity of work. Um, and, um, and another one on human life. Um, and those kind of stand out. And, you know, the Pope was criticized at the time uh, for, uh, from both sides, which is uh, kind of tells you that you're kind of in the right spot because you're being <laughs> sort of attacked. One of the attacks coming from the right at the time was that, oh, he was this guy from Poland who grew up in an authoritarian regimes and didn't really understand, among other things, the free market. So yeah. when he was talking about the dignity of work and the value of labor, um, didn't correspond with 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 to a certain ideology uh, in the United States in particular, and so he was criticized for that. And of course, he was also criticized from the left perspective as well. So it's kind of I think it's important to kind of keep that in perspective when we look at what's going on today, um, and uh, I hope we can avoid that. There's some really bad echoes historically again in the early 20th century where, um, if you want to look at Spain uh, as an example, where um, the, the church was deeply, almost permanently impacted by those political divides mm -hmm. uh, in a very negative uh, way. And um, it, it's, it's troubling, it's yeah. worrisome. Well, and it's, it, does, it does put a premium uh, and, a, and an appreciation for things like history. You know, if we can be, mindful of the of the you know eras and chapters that the church has gone through for 2000 years and still emerged 
<clears throat> you know, and if we can learn from, you know, history and, uh, like you say, avoid, avoid those pitfalls and, you know, just kind of be reminded, I think of just the, the simplicity and the, and, and from, you know, upbringings like yours <laughs> and not, not to say that, you know, upper, uh, peninsula of Michigan didn't have issues either. <laughs> but, exactly. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but they did and they still do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, Hey, let's, uh, let's, um, <clears throat> we're gonna lighten it up a little bit here. We're gonna oh. go. We're gonna get into our fun segment. So this okay. is our this is our the last uh, last three questions. So, so we ask the same three questions uh, of every guest to kind of wrap up the show. So uh, question number one: If Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow morning, okay, mm-hmm. and just wanted to hang out for the day, just with you, you can do anything you want. You can go anywhere you want. You can. Uh, you can time travel, you can do whatever, it's Jesus. Uh, but the point is you have a whole day to hang out with Jesus. What are you going to do with him? Um, well, that's an interesting question. Um, I guess I would uh, suggest having a couple of beers and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, maybe have a discussion about uh, history. Yeah. Uh, that's probably um, probably what uh, I would I would do. I might ask him um, just a, another topic that's very important to me uh, uh, is um, the issue of anti-Semitism, and uh, Jesus was, uh, as we all know, a Jew, mm-hmm. and uh, I, it would be interesting to get his thoughts about that, uh, uh, and. Um, what recommendations uh, yeah. he would have for avoiding that scourge yeah. that seems to be in, infecting our body politic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and, that would be so. Uh, <coughs> that's <laughs> get some get some to dos. Yeah, yeah, get some fra- very practical sort of advice there. Yeah, that might good. might have to shift. Might have to switch to wine. I don't know, <laughs> yeah, but I could, I could go either way. Exactly. I could go for wine or yeah. beer. Yeah. That's good. All right. Fun segment question number two. If you could uh, go to church, go to mass uh, with any other guy, okay, living mm-hmm. or dead, famous or not, in any time in history, or, or it could be today. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it could literally be t- like in about a half hour if you want. But, you're, yeah. uh, but the, the question is, you're going to go to church. You're going to, you get to take one guy with you who... Are you going to bring to church? Living or dead? Yep. That is really tough. Uh, that's a tough one. Um, yeah. I think, well, my two, um, can I go two? You can have two. Okay. <laughs> um, well, one would certainly be my father. Yeah. Um, the other one would be uh, probably John Paul. Uh, I'd love to get his once again. I would, uh, even though we don't want to talk during mass, uh, <laughs> I try to get some sense of what he thinks about what's going on in Ukraine. Yeah, um, I think I know what he probably would probably think about it. But um, but uh, that would he would be the other the other person. Yeah, I think if you showed up with 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 
St. John Paul, I think you get some dispensation for talking. I think they'd be like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you have a lot of people crowding around there. All right, fun segment question number three. <clears throat> if you could give uh, a piece of advice to a younger man uh, about living a, uh, a, a confident uh, life of faith, and, and, I'll, I'll, and I'll, I'll say, Patrick, most guys that we've had on the show, you know, have not had the, as I said, you know, kind of the diversity of experiences and travel. So, so, um, you don't feel, you don't need to feel burdened to give this, you know, 13 year old hypothetical 13 year old, (laughs) the kind of advice that is necessarily going to sustain him through the same journey that you've been through. But the question is, what is, what would that piece of advice be to a younger man about cultivating and keeping a strong faith throughout his life as he matures as a man? Um, again, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, cause I've tried to, I've tried to give it to my sons. Yeah. Um, well, it's partly the reflection of this emphasis on good deeds and community and how those things work together. Um, stay engaged. Um, you know, throughout life, faith can ebb and flow, mm-hmm. um, or the expressions of faith maybe is a better way to put it. Can ebb and flow, but it's important to stay engaged in the community, um, and because that giving back to the community, as I tried to say before, can kind of flow back. Mm-hmm to you as an individual and sustain you at periods of your life when things aren't going as well yeah. as, they, as they might be. You know, when you look back, and I was kind of thinking of this when you were talking and introducing me, um, I, I've done different things, you're right, but throughout those years, it hasn't been a cakewalk of, of um, little victories and success. There's a lot of times when um, you have to look at yourself in the mirror um, not to make uh, you can you'll notice a tendency to go a little heavy that's just my personality but uh, but that's the that's the way it is yeah. you know yeah. and um, so for a young man beginning on the path the life path so to speak it's just important to stay engaged yeah um, because it's like a lot of things in life. The more you put into it, the more you get. Um, just the irony of the whole thing is giving is the best way to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the Amen. way it works. I don't know. I don't, you know, I can't even explain it intellectually. Yeah. It's just the way the world works. Yeah. And, you know, um, it's like, I do some volunteer work at the, with loaves and fishes, and I would encourage folks to get involved with that at our sister parish, Holy Rosary. And, uh, you know, every time I come home from that uh, experience, it's just, it's a big boost. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, kind of puts things in perspective. Um, so... That's the work. That's the work. That's the work we're celebrating today here on Pentecost Sunday with the Holy Spirit and getting out there and doing it. 
Patrick Lacombe, thank you so much for, uh, for being here and sharing your story and just being such a great example for all of us guys out there. And, and, uh, you put some added pressure on now. I, I'm going to be more self, <laughs> self-conscious about it, but, uh, but thank you, Jeff. It's been great. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.